Section 11 of Best Dog Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Section 11 The Last Adventure by Albert P. Terhune. She was not a collie. Heaven alone knew what she was. She was nondescript and thin and homely. Many mongrels are beautiful and wise and valuable. Some are not. This particular dog was the least promising of the heterogeneous mongrel clan. Wolf met her by the merest chance, a lucky chance for her and a fatal chance for him. He was lying drowsily in the lakeside summer house of the place, one warm May afternoon, behind the hammock wherein the mistress and the master were reading. Down the lake, from a boy's camp, a mile above, came a boat with three of the young campers in it. Two of the boys were rowing. A third sat in the stern. He was holding by the neck a most disreputable yellowish-gray dog, bone-thin and unkempt. The dog was collarless, but around her stringy throat was tied a thick rope. To the other end of the rope was tied a stone. Look, cried the mistress in keen distress. They're going to drown that poor dog. See the stone and the rope? Oh, don't let them. What's the main idea, called the master, hailing the boat's occupants? This dog's been hanging round our camp, called back the lad in the stern. She stole our grub a couple of times. We stoned her away, but she always comes back. We're going to get rid of her. We didn't want to drown her up where we swim. It's bad for the water. So we're rowing her down to the dam, going to throw her over the falls. She... You're going to do nothing of the kind, blazed the mistress, jumping up and running to the edge of the lake. You're not. She ain't your dog, is she? retorted the boy in the stern. Then suppose you mind your own business if you've got any business to mind. His two companions laughed in glad applause of this chivalric reply. The mongrel, at sound of the mistress's voice, had got to her feet and was whining in anguished appeal. Wolf had come to the lakeside with the mistress, and the wise collie read the mongrel's whimpered appeal as well as if it were couched in words. He growled and ran out a few feet into the water. The master had departed on a beeline for the place's nearby boathouse. He was traveling rapidly. It was not on the free list for anyone to speak to the mistress as the camper in the stern had spoken. The only way to wreak punishment was from another boat. The youth in the stern noted the man's hurried progress toward the boathouse. Being a lad of action, he did not dream away the intervening moments but shouted to the two rowers to put on speed. As he gave this order, he proceeded to lighten the boat by having the mongrel overboard. Away sped the oarsmen upstream. The miserable dog fell into the water with a resounding splash. The fall carried the mongrel far beneath the surface, the stone dragging her down. But the boys had affixed to the rope a stone somewhat too light for its lethal purpose. Fighting for her life, the unfortunate mongrel's mad battling 
brought her to the surface for a fleeting space then the weight of the stone and her own lack of strength dragged her under again the mistress waded out from the bank forgetful of thin slippers and silk stockings but at the second step she paused a more potent rescuer was on the job as the mongrel had tumbled into the water wolf had dashed after her now swimming with a force which carried his shoulders high above the level he was forging forward to where she had vanished there was a feeble swirl just ahead and again the mongrel's nose appeared briefly by a last despairing effort of puny strength she had managed to counteract the weight of the stone once more and to battle her way back from the weedy depths but it was very apparently a last effort and a feeble one at that for as soon as her head appeared it began to go under again the boat had been scarcely a hundred feet offshore when the boy tossed her overboard and that hundred feet of space had been covered swiftly by wolf's race through the ripples now as the mongrel began to sink wolf's strong jaws caught her by the nape of the neck churning the waters in his struggle to bear up the double weight of dog and stone he spun about and made for shore his white forepaws smiting the water to foam his white teeth fixed as lightly in his exhausted burden's neck as the strain of upholding her would permit it was a gallant piece of work and it called for all his compact strength snail-like was his shoreward progress more than once the weak writhings of the mongrel submerged his head as well as hers but ever he fought on and this was wolf's way not from birth to death did he understand the meaning of defeat or of drawing back from anything he had begun the rescuer and the rescued were halfway to the shore when the master came rowing around the point of land between the summer-house and the boat-house a call from the mistress ankle-deep in water directed his attention from the already far distant boys to the two half-drowned dogs he rode over to them with his fingers hooked in wolf's collar he sought to lift the collie into the careening boat but as if divining his purpose and aware of what must befall the helplessly worn-out mongrel if she were let go wolf held his tight grip on the scruff of her neck confronted with this double burden the master knelt down in the bottom of the boat bracing himself and seeking to trim the leaky craft for the impending heave wolf looked up steadfastly and even gaily into the master's face happily confident that his own tough work was over and that his god would take over the tiresome job with some difficulty the man lifted the two dogs over the gunwale and into the boat shipping several gallons of lake water as he did so water that swished merrily about the knees and legs of his white flannel trousers and soaked him to the skin wolf relaxed his grasp on the mongrel as soon as the latter was safe then standing up he proceeded to shake himself rapidly and with thoroughness the spray from his rough gold-red coat deluging the master afresh but the mongrel did not get up she made no attempt to move slumpingly inert 
she lay sprawled in the bottom of the boat panting loudly her eyes shut the water streaming from her sparse coat and from her loosely open paws she was nearer dead than alive a homeless existence and such scanty food as can be cadged from rural ash cans and occasional camp garbage heaps these do not conduce to strength in a dog the fright and shock had completed her utter collapse she lay moveless when the master landed on the bank beside the summer-house wolf on the contrary hopped gleefully ashore and once more treated his drenched coat to a thorough shaking this time over much of the mistress's white organdy dress in all my days grumbled the master staring morbidly down at his own wrecked costume i never yet went out of my way to do a decent thing without having reason afterward to be sorry i did it my clothes look like the last hours of a misspent life and all to save a mutt that is better dead wolf if you hadn't saved what wasn't worth saving we'd all be better off wolf grinned and wagged his short bushy tail vigorously at sound of his name then he trotted back to where the panting mongrel sprawled he bent over her licking her face and seeming to urge her to rise she opened her bleared eyes and wagged her lank tail weakly but she made no effort to get up her cowed gaze drifted to the two humans there was hopeless pathos in the look that settles it growled the master forestalling his wife's plea we're saddled with her the fact that she's weak and worthless is enough to make you champion her all right i'll carry her up to the barn and give her some aromatic when she's able to get onto her feet again a square meal will complete her cure thus it was that a mongrel came to that home of thoroughbred collies nobody could be found to claim her so she remained at the place the mistress named her undine because she had risen from the waters undine was a meek and gentle and timorous creature gratefully and cringingly she rewarded the care lavished on her for the first time in her life she was receiving food instead of fright care instead of kicks she throve on the new treatment unobtrusive gladly content to sleep in the barn and to confine her wanderings to the stable-yard and the vegetable garden she was little trouble to any one the astonishing change from starvation to good fare made her into another animal in less than a month her scraggy body was rounding out into lines of comparative grace health and an occasional brushing from the mistress gave her coat a certain lustre and growth always she would remain a mongrel always she would remain cowed and stupid and homely but she was no longer a scarecrow wolf constituted himself her staunch protector and chum he was strangely human in many ways it is a human trait for instance to care more for those whom we have helped than for those who have helped us and this trait was strong in wolf always he seemed to remember he had saved undine from death and the deed appeared to bind him to her for any future services he would forsake his big collie chum bobby 
for a ramble with the homely mongrel who rewarded his friendliness with slavish adoration he would fly furiously at any of the other thoroughbred collies of the place that resented with snarl or growl the presence of the plebeian undine among them the mistress and the master viewed with secret amusement this new friendship of their little old chum wolf very dear had wolf become to them both in these past few years at ten he had the vigor and fire of a three-year-old his compactly powerful body had not yet taken on the blur of fat his big dark eyes were still clear and bright his teeth were unyellowed only by a few white hairs in his black eyelashes and by a slight silvering of the muzzle and by an occasional indisposition to romp did he show that time was beginning to lay a gently heavy hand on him once in a great while into his face would creep fleetingly the unmistakable and infinitely pathetic expression of an old dog but for the most part he showed not an outward sign of age the indian summer of his adventurous life had set in but it had set in benignly and all but imperceptibly his days were sunnily happy at the place and now that laddie and bruce were gone he stood first in the affections of the woman and the man he worshipped when at last undine waxed sleek and healthy the master found a home for her a farmer who lived some two miles from the place on the far side of the railroad tracks wanted a dog he came to the place to price a collie puppy but as such a pup was beyond his means he was induced to accept undine as a gift he and his family quickly grew fond of the gentle and timid mongrel they made a pet of her undine's housing problem seemed definitely settled but wolf thought otherwise so did undine a week after the mongrel had been inducted into her new abode the master came downstairs and on to the veranda one morning to find wolf and undine waiting side by side on the porch to greet him for the past two years winter and summer wolf had slept at night on an old coat on the couch in the master's study vastly proud was the little collie of his indoor sleeping quarters the study windows stood open all night in warm weather a burglar might as safely have stepped on a rattlesnake as to have ventured in through one of those windows with wolf on guard inside occasionally in the early morning wolf would jump out through an open window for a stroll on the grounds apparently he had gone out much earlier than usual on this particular morning or else he had sallied forth during the night somehow he had found his way to the two-mile distant farmhouse across the tracks where never had he been taken and which he had located nobody knew how his discovery of undine's new abode was one of the many unexplainable things about wolf thither had he gone in search of his homesick friend undine he had chewed diligently at the rope with which she was tied to her kennel coop and at last he had severed it then he had escorted her back to the place now with jaws a-grin and white feet dancing and tail wildly wagging he greeted the scowling master wolf was monstrous proud of his nocturnal exploit at the master's mild reproof 
he sought to look crestfallen but the attempt was a failure unquestionably the collie felt a dramatic thrill at his own cleverness in finding and releasing and bringing home again the undesired mongrel after breakfast wolf was shut up in the study to his great indignation the mistress and the master motored over to the farm with the unwilling undine there the mongrel was received with joy by the whole family who had been standing sadly in front of her empty kennel viewing the chewed rope better try a chain next time advised the master wolf's teeth are like shears besides he has taught her the trick now she'll probably gnaw her own rope in two without his help buy a strong chain instead even wolf can't bite through that i'll do still better volunteered the farmer i've got a roll of chicken wire left over from fencing my henyard i'll build a wire run around undine's coop then she won't need to be tied up at all she'll be more comfortable anyhow in a run yard than tugging at a rope it'll give her more space to move around in so that's settled observed the master as they drove homeward we've seen the last of the unlovely undine poor old wolf he'll miss her if he misses her said the mistress with quiet certainty he'll find some way to bring her back to the place i know wolfie what he wants to do he does nonsense scoffed the master in true masculine superiority wolf is pretty clever but he won't be able to bite a hole in a chicken wire wide enough to let undine through no thank goodness we've seen the last of her the mistress made no reply seldom did she argue far more seldom was she mistaken in one of her conjectures so it was that she felt no surprise at all next morning when she and her husband came out on the veranda before breakfast to find wolf and the humbly ingratiating undine awaiting them on the doormat wolf's white forepaws were brown with new dirt it had taken him more than an hour to dig a tunnel under the wire runway and to coax undine to wriggle out through the hole but at last the escape had been achieved and he and she had got clear of the yard before the first member of the early rising farmer's family was awake the master looked foolishly at the two dogs and then at his wife the mistress was busily admonishing wolf for his share in the prison-breaking and she gave no sign that she noted her husband's air of ridiculous self-humiliation i'm afraid she said at last i'm afraid he's made up his mind to keep on rescuing her till the end of the chapter and leading her back here in triumph i can't blame him for doing it she is so fond of him and he has elected himself her guardian ever since he saved her from drowning i suppose he thinks he is rescuing her all over again each time he sets her free what's the use demanded the master glumly i've too much work to do to spend half an hour every morning taking the measly cur back to where she belongs but you're right about his keeping on trying to get her loose he knows it was a clever stunt he knows we know it that means he'll keep right on doing it if he can that's wolf all over if the three children over there hadn't got so fond of her said the mistress i'd suggest we keep her here then wolf would be happy and so would she and when people came here to see the collies returned the master 
they'd be sure to see her first of all and they'd think she was typical of all the rest of our dogs no thanks back she goes the minute breakfast is over if the man had done as i told him to she couldn't have got loose i'll tell him that the next time undine comes sneaking over here i'll put a bullet through her foolish head maybe that'll induce him to get her a collar and a chain he spoke with truculence as usual the mistress read him correctly you couldn't be hired to shoot her she challenged laughing you know perfectly well you couldn't i didn't say i could the master defended himself sulkily i said that's what i'd tell him and i shall let's go to breakfast shan't we come along wolf leaving undine to wait for him on the mat wolf followed the two humans into the sunny breakfast room there as usual he lay beside the mistress's chair there as usual he received from her a fragment of buttered toast thence presently timing it to a fraction of a second he went to the other end of the table just as the master laid down his egg-spoon for years it had been wolf's custom to cross over to the master at that precise moment of the morning meal to receive from him the emptied egg-cup and to lap therefrom such few particles as might still adhere to its sides never by the wink of an eye did wolf fail to reach the master's chair just as the spoon was laid down even when the dog chanced to have been lying with his back to the master he calculated the time to perfection though nobody could figure how he did it breakfast over the collie was shut once more ignominiously into the study while the mistress and the master took undine to the farmhouse as a rule wolf loved the study most of all he loved the disreputable old couch on one corner of which was the ragged tweed coat that was his bed but it was one thing to enter the study from choice and quite another thing to be shut in wherefore nose between paws wolf lay in gloomy brooding until his acute ears detected a mile away the hum of the place's car hundreds of cars passed along that road every day yet out of them all wolf could distinguish the purr of that one motor he got up and trotted to the study door his sulks forgotten five minutes later the returning master opened the door and let him out well old friend observed the master he has promised me to go over to the village before noon and get a chain for the unspeakable undine you'll wear your teeth out before you can scissor a chain in two best stay at home it's none too safe for you to be crossing the railroad tracks every time you come and go between there and the place just forget undine she isn't worth remembering i'm afraid you've got low tastes wolf he's too wise to get into trouble from trains said the mistress in the hallway behind her husband wolf has a wholesome respect for trains i suppose he got it years ago from seeing us slow the car when we come to a track and look up and down anyway that's just what he does whenever we're out walking and cross a railroad track he knows more than most people about avoiding trains and automobiles he knows more about everything than most people don't you wolfie you queer little dog wolf wagged his tail and wiggled affectedly at the sound of his name and at the note of praise in her voice then 
falling in at her heels as usual he followed her and the master out onto the porch the day was hot and breathless the kind of day which in the hill country of northern new jersey is almost certain to be followed by a thunderstorm on the driveway three or four young collie puppies were at play wolf was about to curl himself up at the mistress's feet as she sat down to read her mail when he wheeled about his ear caught by a familiar sound a big delivery truck was turning in at the gate a furlong above and was starting down the woodland driveway at carelessly high speed the collie puppies continued to frisk about in the drive heedless of the approaching menace like a red gold flash wolf was off the veranda and springing out among them for perhaps the thousandth time in his ten years of life he was herding thoughtless dogs out of harm's way and to the safety of the drive-side turf so fast did the truck approach to-day that he barely had time to shoulder the last of the puppies out of danger before it was on him with entire ease despite his growing weight of years wolf dodged aside from under the grinding wheels of the vehicle as its driver put on all his brakes then the collie as always came mincing back to the mistress to be praised for this bit of swift herding one of these days prophesied the master irately wolf is going to get killed that way sometime he is going to miscalculate the distance and get hit by a car he takes chances that get on my nerves no automobile is ever going to kill wolfie contradicted the mistress serenely confident of her pet's ability to protect himself he's too wise as usual the master's prophecy was wrong while as usual hers was correct that evening wolf was left on the veranda while the mistress and the master went to a dinner a few miles away the collie did not consider himself to be on guard it was far too early in the night for that wolf wearied of the tedium of waiting for the return of the two humans his thoughts went to undine and to the encored jolly adventure of freeing her from captivity on the two former times he had not set forth to the farm until long after midnight when he had chanced to wake from his snooze on the study couch but there seemed no good reason on this lonely evening to postpone his trip to such an hour or to let it break in on his night's rest he got to his feet in leisurely fashion stretched himself fore and aft yawned and started up the driveway at an unhurried trot out into the high road he trotted heading for the farm he kept to one side of the thoroughfare giving room to any and all motor cars the mistress had been right in saying that motors were no menace to wolf by uncanny wisdom and long experience he could thread his way through a jumble of them without hurt across the lake bridge he went then leaving the road he cut across lots another half mile brought him to the railroad tracks as always he slackened speed just before he reached the rails and glanced up and down the right-of-way on the stoops of trackside cottages lounged several tired workers to these wolf gave no heed as he passed on then he was in the farmhouse yard 
a light or two still burned in the house itself for ten o'clock had not struck a whimper of eager friendliness from somewhere to the rear of the yard welcomed the collie silent as was his padding advance undine had heard and scented him wolf trotted to her kennel and he and she touched noses in greeting wolf was dancingly elated at the bit of mischief he had planned to him it seemed a rare joke to outwit undine's new owner by setting her free from her clumsy bondage every night and taking her back to the place he could read human faces and human voices yes and human emotions with eerie skill and from this power he knew that neither the mistress nor the master had been really angered at his releasing of undine he knew that it had amused them both in spite of the master's grumblings and that they considered it clever wherefore wolf was minded to repeat the exploit as often and as long as it should continue to make a hit which is not only dog nature but human nature but to-night on his very first glance at the tired mongrel wolf saw that his task promised new difficulties for the tie-rope was replaced by a rusty length of chain the farmer had saved the cost of a new chain by hunting around in the stored rubbish of his barn-loft until he came upon this ancient string of rust-scored links with it he had fastened undine to the kennel decrepit as was the chain it was still too strong for undine to break it by the most energetic jerk also it was proof against gnawing wolf had sense enough to know this without trying and according to his custom he wasted no time in vain efforts at achieving the impossible finding the chain unbreakable and unbiteable he nosed at undine's neck instead of buying a collar the man had made one out of rope slipping a chain ring through it by which to fasten the dog this knowledge was quite enough for wolf while undine stood stock still the collie's sharp white incisor teeth wrought scientifically at the thick rope collar the rope though stout of appearance was long past its first toughness the task of severing it was simple in a few minutes the rusting chain clanked dully to the ground undine frisked out into the yard collarless and free she was very happy not only had her adored protector set her at liberty again but she was going back with him to the place and away from this mean abode where she was so homesick her wonted cringing meekness gave place to a coweringly frolicsome mood without waiting for wolf to lead the way she scampered out of the yard and over the fields heading for the place and travelling at a shambling gallop wolf followed at a trot the deceptively fast and choppy wolf trot of a collie which eats up the distance almost as rapidly as does any other dog's canter gradually undine's first elated gallop was slowing down wolf was only a few yards behind her as the two moved past the group of trackside cottages with the handful of workers still lounging on the stoops idly these folk glanced at the dogs as the two chanced to cross the bars of light from the windows 
but at first the humans paid no attention to the runaways. The night was sick hot. The cottagers' eyes strayed with tired interest to the thunderstorm piling up from the northwest, the storm that might break the hot spell, and whose saffron flares of heat lightning were staining the fat black cloud rack almost continuously. Then came a more distinct sound than the muffled groan of far-off thunder, and a clearer gleam than the cloud-hidden lightning could boost. From around the curve echoed the warning whistle note and rumble of the oncoming Stroudsburg Express, ten minutes late and making up lost time. The glow of the unseen headlight cast a flicker of diffused radiance through the dark. Undine's gallop had slowed to a shuffle. Now she became aware of a pestilentially biting flea, supping behind her left ear. The flea bit deep into the tender flesh. Undine prepared to rid herself of him. Halting, she sat down and began to scratch her left ear vehemently with her left hind claws. Wolf had caught up to her just as she began these scratching operations against the flea. He, too, had come to a standstill, for he had heard the train and had seen its glow. As ever, he stopped and looked up and down the track. The train had not yet appeared around the nearby bend, so he crossed the track and glanced back to see what was delaying Undine. There sat the misfortune-breeding mongrel, scratching luxuriously at her ear, oblivious to everything but the joy of abating the flea. She was sitting in the precise center of the track, midway between the two humming rails. Wolf barked a sharp warning. Undine did not so much as turn her head at his summons. Stupid, her narrow-gauged brain wholly occupied with the flea, she was oblivious of all else. Around the curve roared the Stroudsburg Express. Its headlight hurled a blinding white glare along the tracks. The loungers on the stoops beheld Undine, scratching away directly in its path. Now the flood of dazzling light made her look up stupidly from her labors. Directly above her towered the bulk of the locomotive. She was engulfed in a sea of hideous brilliancy. Scared past all powers of motion or thought, she cowered, shivering between the rails. Then it was that wolf did what he had been training, all his life, to do. The mighty heart of old lad, his sire, ran true to form in this wise little son of his. Gaily, he whizzed forward, a bark of joyous challenge ripping through the thunder of the train. To his death he dashed, as to a romp. The loungers saw a flash of ruddy gold and white dart into the glare of the track. They saw Wolf snatch Undine by the back, between his mighty jaws. They saw him swing her bodily into the air. They saw him sling her free of the rails. It was all done in the flicker of an eyelash, almost faster than the human eye could follow, there in front of the onrushing locomotive. Undine, screeching in helpless terror, hurtled through the air and rolled unhurt down the cinder-packed embankment to the safety of the shallow ditch. Wolf, in practically the same motion, sprang back with the lightning swiftness of a tiger cat. 
to within the merest hair's breadth of space he gauged his distance aright the grinding wheels missed him so did the bulk of the locomotive a bit of outjutting metalwork at the left of the cowcatcher touched him on the side of the skull that was all when the unheeding train had raged past leaving dust eddies and a new blackness in its singing wake the folk from the cottages came out with flashlights they found undine whimpering and sniffling above something at the track side his red gold coat unruffled his beautiful body stretched out lazily as if for slumber and without one disfiguring mark on it lay wolf over him whimpered dazedly the mongrel the useless cur for which the hero collie had so blithely tossed away his vivid life and yet commented an editorial a few days later when a hundred newspapers all over america had told the tale of wolf's shining death and yet people speak contemptuously of dying like a dog end of section eleven